0: let's just get right into it man what a game you have versus northwestern the tfl's the sacks did you prepare differently for this game or what do you think happened well, i just broke out i ain't prepared no different um mm-hmm. just went into it
1: with high confidence to
0: play the ball what do you think like in the scheme wise was different or you think it was just your time you think it was just time to break out i got more comfortable playing i felt comfortable um, playing in northwestern mm-hmm. i just felt different so I, I think it was just my time and their mindset is they want to destroy the guy in front of them that's so the biggest thing in football when we're in there in the trenches that's everyone's mindset. Yeah. So there's no such thing as not giving it your all every play. Oh, they, this guy took a playoff. This guy didn't take no playoff, yeah. man. As an athlete, as a guy who runs a 4 6 and squats 500 pounds, how many times, do you feel like it adds a new element to your game where you're able to jump around and put offensive linemen in situations where they got to be athletic with you?
1: Yeah, definitely. It definitely does. I feel like um, when I'm moving, certain no old linemen be able to stick with me. And if they are, then I got to use something else. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: everybody big news coming out of the lion's den podcast we officially have our own merch that we're getting ready to put out make sure to go cop yours link is in the description below these proceeds help us produce this podcast bring on a-list guests and these proceeds also help penn state nil as a whole go get yours and tag us on social media we'll give you a shout out on the pod looking forward to seeing you wearing the lion's den merch exclusively what's going on y'all welcome back to the lion's Den podcast episode six featuring Zane
2: direct with my guys, Nick Dawkins and Aeneas Hawkins, about to get it going. <laughs>
0: That's right. I love, this, I love the Jerry Cross introduction. <laughs> I think it sets the tone for the episode. I just got our boys in Durant, on here, the way of Orlando, Florida, Lake Nona. Hey, take me through. You know, let's just get right into it. Man, what a game you have versus Northwestern, the TFLs, the sacks. Did you prepare differently for this game, or what do you think happened? You just broke out.
1: I just broke out. I ain't prepared no different. Um, mm-hmm. Just went into it with high confidence and just played ball.
0: Mm-hmm. What What do you think, like, in the scheme-wise, was different? Or you think it was just your time? You think it was just time to break out? And you think, you know, just how you prepared?
1: I think it was just my time. I got more comfortable playing. I felt comfortable um, playing in Northwestern. Mm-hmm. I just felt different. So I, I think it was just my time.
0: And we talked about you last episode. We were talking about how with stars and everything that goes on, stars don't matter. You got a lot of PT, a lot of burn. Um, Your freshman year, have you felt like your playing strength and just your intelligence of the game changed over the years now?
1: Yeah, it definitely has. Um, My last year, I got in a lot, but I really didn't know what was going on. This year, um, being an experience playing a lot, I'm starting to understand the game more on the
0: offensive side of the ball, so it's helping me make plays on defense. Mm-hmm. And people don't know, who were your hosts? When you got here, like who got you to Penn State? <laughs> you can, you can chalk it up to the coach, you can chalk yeah, it up yeah. to who you want, but who got you here?
1: Yeah, man, my dog, my dog Hulk. Come on dog, now. Man, Come on cream.
0: now. My boy Landon. <laughs> what who do, do you think separates us as recruiters, you know, from hosts? What separates us from, from the norm? You know what I mean? What got yeah, you here?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll say the honesty, to be honest. Uh, other schools, I ain't gonna send no names or anything mm-hmm. like that, but they tried to sell me something, the player trying to sell me something, it just it didn't seem right. I just kept it 100, told them what
0: it was. And then mm-hmm. if I want to do it, it was on me. So mm-hmm. and do you emulate your play style to Hawks? Do you think you guys are so? <laughs> no, oh, no, hey, no, 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 no. So, no, so what's he, the difference no. between y'all two?
1: Would you what would you say the difference is between y'all two? Um, I'm just faster, I'm stronger, I'm Smarter, <laughs> smarter, and taller. <laughs> <yeah>, You're know, <laughs> not taller. Here. We're not doing
0: that. You're <laughs> <laughs> not taller. We're not doing that. Listen, first of all, we'll get back to that. Because mm-hmm. that's crazy that you would even you would come in here, you know what I'm saying, and disrespect my athletic career like that. That's number one. Number mm-hmm. two. On the note of when we hosted you, Mm. I I got a quick story there. Coach Scott, I know it's a recruiting weekend, people coming up. It's my senior year. I'm sitting on the couch at the yards at Old State. My phone starts ringing. It's Coach Scott. I already know what he's going to ask me to do. Asked me to host a recruit, so I declined the first call. Don't answer it. I say, hey, I'm in class. He says, call me back now. And I answer the phone. (laughs) So I call him. (laughs) He didn't care what class I was in. So I call him back. And I'm sitting on the couch. It was a lie. I'm like, what's up, man? He said, listen, Hawk, I know you're a senior now, and you don't want to host recruits, but we got this young guy, the Zane Durant, and we got to get him on campus, and we need you to host him. I'm like, hey, I can't do it. I'm visiting family tonight. <laughs> Another lie. He said, don't care. Zane will be here in two hours, Need you at the dinner. Pull up, meet my guy, Zane. We've been cool ever since, bro. It's been cool to see you yeah. find a bunch of success early on, man. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if the viewers have caught on to this. With Two things with Hawk. One, we, we brag, we jag on and everything. But he has—he's an elite athlete. Hawk was an elite athlete. Anyone commenting probably can't win a one-on-one rep versus him. He's locked him probably. out. You won't win a one-on-one rep versus him. <laughs> he, <find out laughs> he was a division one athlete. But two, two—the second thing. This guy is a liar. I don't know why. I don't know what. <laughs> I'm visiting family on a weekday. What? That's what wrong. is it to believe about that? This is the worst one I ever heard. I'm like, Yo, Hawk, can you come out? with us do something. I'm like, let's. He's like, yeah, I got a family reunion on Zoom. <laughs> a family reunion on Zoom. Yeah. and, and, and but he's, He gets to the point where once he's into it, he, he then now believes it, too. Yeah. So he probably thought he actually had one at that point. I'm a quick thinker. Once I give you one, you know, most people, that's where they struggle at with doing those. Th- I only lie when I don't want to do something. Like okay, you so you're, yeah, you're a compulsive liar. Uh, I'm not sure what the definition of a compulsive liar is, <laughs> so I'm not going to give you a yes or no, but there's potential. There's mm-hmm. potential. I want to get back, though, to what Doc kind of alluded to. You played a lot as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not you knew what you were doing, it takes a different type of guy to come in and be able to contribute immediately. Mm-hmm. I remember when I left and you would come in, I actually, Coach Franklin and I had a discussion about you. I'm like, hey, how's my guy Zane doing? He's like, the kid works hard. <laughs> great athlete. I don't know what's funny about that. I don't know what I said I that was funny. The D, the D, he's a D-line consultant. I'm, I'm just checking it on I'm just checking in all the young guys. Either way, the the narrative around you immediately was your work ethic, uh, your athleticism, and all those things. Take me back to when you were a young guy and your mindset coming into the program that allowed you to find success immediately.
1: Yeah, uh, first thing I want to do when I step foot on campus is earn everybody respect. So, um, controlling what I could control. We didn't have pads at the time. So, all co- control was my work ethic, um, how I go about everything, having a positive attitude, just trying to bring everybody up in the locker room.
0: You talk about bringing everybody up in the locker room. One thing that brings me up anytime I talk to a Florida guy, mm. the Florida lingo, the Florida accents. <laughs> I don't remember what. I let's, let's actually get into this because I remember sitting on the couch, one of the first conversations <laughs> we had, we're watching a highlight tape. Yeah. And then it's real quiet. It's me, Doc, you. And all of a sudden you let me know. That jit on the screen is twerking. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, mean, I still don't know what that means. So, walk me through that as a Florida resident.
1: So, uh, jit twerking is used <laughs> like uh, somebody somebody chirping, or he probably hit a move on somebody and made, it, made a jit twerk. That means like made him fall, okay. <laughs> broke his ankle type deal. Right. Yeah, and yeah. And what, is, what, is what is
0: a jit, though? Yeah, what yeah. is a jit? Yeah, what is a jit?
1: Is anything you want it to be. Okay. Is, is, it can be so, jet. is
0: jit like John then? Like how they kind of use it in Philly? I don't know about no John. I don't, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, you only know about John as a name. Okay, so like that. Right over, right, right. we have Caleb Artis in the building. So that jit over there, Caleb Artis, <laughs> he's a jit. <right. like>, <laughs> like, yeah, is jit twerking right now? No. Nah, <laughs> is jit twerking over there. Jit not Jett, Jett, Jett twerking. Jit vibing. <laughs> <Jett, yeah, laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think that you have an accent? Like when you're no. in the locker room, you like everyone else has an accent. You're good. Like you're no. the you're the girl in the green.
1: No, nobody got an accent. I don't think.
0: No, you don't, and you don't hear it in yourself. You're not like yeah, I'm good. Like I'm like just twerking. Like we're good.
1: no
0: (laughs) you come from florida you're in central pennsylvania and it doesn't take a genius to be able to tell you that it gets a little bit chillier here Mm -hmm. in central pa talk about the transition not just from the weather perspective but being so far from home i know you got a great family i got to meet them on your official Mm -hmm. and talk to me about that experience
1: yo uh transition to the cold wasn't that bad for me uh it was it, it was it was tough. That's I haven't been there. It wasn't that bad to be <laughs> honest, because I wanted to be here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, if you want to be somewhere, you want to do whatever to be there. You know what I'm saying? I was enjoying the moment, uh, taking it day by day, and uh, yeah, it was, it was fun for me. What
2: was your first reaction to snow like?
1: How was that? Uh, it, I threw a snowball at my mom when I got the plane oh. first day my day. My <laughs> uh, And then later that day, I, I slipped on black ice. So.
0: Okay. Was that your first snow? You had yep. the full snow no, experience, like, then. Yeah. That's nuts. So you man, hadn't seen don't. snow until you were 17, 18. Yeah, wow. 17. That's crazy, man. That's the difference when he saw it was weaponize right. it. Right, he was like, "Hey, let me attack <laughs> my mom. <laughs> now that I got the chance,
1: seen it on movie. Then you throw a snowball
0: and stuff like that. That's an experience, man. Yeah, you yeah, deserve yeah. to be able to do that. And hey, you he would say Jerry Cross took you under his wing once you got here. Mm. No,
1: I didn't <laughs> <doing laughs> <my wing, man. laughs>
0: Jerry, you did say as soon as he said that he handled the cold well, you say cap under your breath. No, I heard yeah, because like when we first got here, like Zane,
2: he never seen snow. He never knew what the cold really was. Mm-hmm. So. It'll get like I remember spring ball. You know, spring ball get a little a little chilly, about forty five degrees, fifty degrees. Mm. He come out with long sleep, like, like I'm I'm cold. Like, I ain't practicing today. Like that's the one thing he always said. He said if it get under like fifty degrees, he's not practicing. <laughs> he's not gonna play. He said. <laughs> so that's why I said he capping because realistically he can't handle the cold. I feel like now he adjusted to it
0: better, but like back then he couldn't. He really that's a big adjustment. Yeah. yeah, it was tough. That's a big adjustment. You, it wasn't
1: that bad outside of football though. No, it's just the football part.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what, the <laughs> coldest mornings are the ones where you get up at 4 a.m. and you walk oh. to Haluba Hall, no, and you know it's a there. winter workout time, no. and you got Devon Lee standing no, next to you no. rapping Drake mm. at 415. No. You can see yeah, your no. breath. <laughs> and that, you want to know how cold it gets. Yeah. Man, I would say the morning locker room is a time matrix because you have one guy in there that didn't even go home. He's stuck in the facility, so he's ready. He's, he's ready. Yeah, one guy that did that. You have another guy who is still is, has his blanket on. He didn't, he didn't even bother to put clothes on. He's walking around in a blanket. Yep. See, whatever happens to him happens. <laughs> you, got somewhat, you got a whole corner conversation mm-hmm. of guys talking about politics or whatever is going on. Yep. There's a political debate going on in the corner at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yep. And then you have Devon Elise in the middle of the locker room getting down into wrapping rapping some <laughs> sort of drink. And that's just like the Penn State scene. And that's just the normal. It's a it's every day. Mm-hmm. It's every. I mean, you yeah. have so many different groups in there. What group would you say you are more like in the morning? Where are you at in the group? Are you quiet? Are you being loud with Devon and the gang in the corner dancing?
1: <laughs> okay, so when I first got here, I was quiet. But this past when uh, the workout session, I, I was the energy giver. Energy giver. Uh, yeah, I came out loud.
0: Yeah, talking he, my. Friend. He loves to dance. Zane is a big dancer. Oh, oh you no, can dance hey, a little bit. From, no, I can't. He lied to. He lied. Nah, yeah. Doc has never lied to Jerry, me. Jerry, years, man. Jerry, he can oh, definitely. Man, he's Jerry. Spoke. Does he not dance? Does he not dance all the time in the locker room?
2: Dance, rap, mm-hmm. sing.
0: Oh, you're. you're ride wave. Rod Wave though. He sing right Wave.
2: Regardless. Yeah. Like, regardless. Okay.
0: Rob my dog. Shout yeah, out to him. I don't know why he's not claiming it, but just know like this guy is consistently like busting some sort of move because like, it's, it's <laughs> at, all kind of yeah, at all times. Yeah, at all times. Yeah, that's insane. Did you? So when you performed, <laughs> when you performed like you know. So for those the viewers back home don't know this. When you're a freshman, maybe we've talked about this yeah, we, before. Yeah, we did talk about it. But you got a watching. dancer sing in front of the team, yep. and it's like this. For me, a guy who can't dance or sing, it's like mm-hmm. the most intimidating factor of Penn State football. Mm-hmm. What did you dance to?
1: Oh, I song. You song. Yeah. what you sing? Raw Wave, uh, "Scott Priority." Uh,
0: okay. Can we hear a little bit of that?
1: Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't forever, yeah,
0: yeah. Y'all warm up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So now, we, now you're you're on campus. You're getting to it. When the workouts are going on. You're getting your first spring ball. Mm. What do you think was the hardest adjustment for you?
1: Oh, uh, I'll say that playbook. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, the game is <coughs> the game. Only thing different is they're bigger and they're faster. But that playbook made it made it way faster. Like mm-hmm. you didn't know what was going on. You know what they were doing, so I was kind of lost out of that a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And you were a strong spring, too. I remember the coaches were all, they were all hyping what you were doing, especially from a pass rush standpoint, mm-hmm. and still from a, a pass rush standpoint. What yeah. do you think your mentality is now that has led you to be so good at that?
1: Yeah, uh so I came in being a natural pass rush. I was a defensive end mm-hmm. in high school. Most people didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I moved to D-Tackle here, and that was a tough transition, because that's learning a whole new technique, a mm-hmm. whole new position. So... I did that. My uh, freshman, year I kept my pass rushing ability, but I just didn't know how to stop the run. So I didn't mm. know the technique, the hand placement, and footwork for all that. So this uh, past year, I've been all season. I've been
0: working at um, improving myself in the running game. And yeah, running back too in high school as well, right? Yeah, yeah, running back. You running got back. you remember any right of your numbers at running back?
1: Oh, I had like I had like maybe six carries for like <laughs> 100 yards, something like that. Oh, so you were averaging I, I six, six yards carries carry. for 100 yards. Yeah, I wasn't running like that. <laughs> that's that's maybe crazy or something like that. I wasn't running that much.
2: Six carries hundred
0: yards. That's wild. That's like mad numbers. Why didn't give Girl. you the ball more? If I yeah. got a guy, Sounds like <laughs> man, six carries hundred yards. And <laughs> 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 nah, get this guy the ball more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, talk
2: to me about Coach Diaz though. Like what is, what has he done for you, like throughout your college career so far and also like in the recruiting process? What yeah, you uh,
1: Coach Diaz was my dog, man. Yeah. I, I don't know if y'all know that. Uh back in Miami when I was taking my first visit, um I committed to Miami and to Coach Diaz before he came up here. Uh, he's cool. My family, like a family guy, family oriented. So my mom loved him, my dad loved him, my sisters loved him. Whole family loved him, really. So when he came, made that transition up here, it really, it really felt like um, more of a reason to stay up here. When mm-hmm. he uh, announced that he's coming to Penn State,
0: mm-hmm. we laugh and joke about it. And I'm, um, you know, Penn State obviously is a great place. And you came here for a reason, but there are other really good programs and other coaches that you might fall in love with on the recruiting visit. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a young guy. So you kind of get the best of both worlds with Manny having come from yeah. the school you were committed to, to Penn State. Now you get Franklin and Diaz yeah. every day. And let's also add Dion Barnes. You talk about having to play the run and hand placement and feet and all these things. <coughs> you got to play with Coach Scott, too. Mm. But in my opinion, Coach Scott does a great job. The thing that Dion really does a good job of is relating to his players, but then also he's technical. Like, you're going to yeah. learn a bunch playing for him. How big has he been in your process so far?
1: Yeah, he's been hard on us. You know, uh, he won't perfection every rep. So it's been a challenge, but I'm up for a challenge because I want to win. So uh, I I think it's been a good transition for us.
0: You seem very certain about things. You said, you know, it was cold, but I wanted to be here. Mm -hmm. Coach Barnes pushes us, but I want to win. You seem determined. You seem focused. What does that come from?
1: Uh, I say how I'm raised. Uh, My dad always told me, like, if you want something, you got to go do it. No matter what's going on, don't change your mind. Stick with it. Shout out my guy, Marcus
0: Durant, by the way. (laughs) That is my dog right there, man. Hey, there was a side gym in what you was talking about though. I would say you guys gotta, and, and this is for like recruits out there, even parents, too, you have to keep those relationships with them coaches, man. Mm-hmm. Even when I when I came here, so I signed my letter of intent and uh O-line coach at times, Coach Line Grover. Um, he's no he was no longer than after that. So then Coach Troutwine came on to be an offensive line coach who had offered our whole entire O-line class coming in from Boston College. Still had a good relationship with him. So there was no kind of any awkwardness or any kind of trouble when I got here because I already had a relationship with Coach Troutwine. So you have to keep those relationships and mend those bridges or anything, any distaste. Because at the end of the day, the recruiting process is just their job, the coaches and everything like yep. that. There's no ill will or ill intent with it. If you they pass on you, they don't take you. It's all it's just a greater scheme of things. So maintain those relationships because you never know how the coaching turntable works out.
2: Definitely.
0: Hakeem Beeman, Devon Lee's two older guys in that D-tackle room. I think with Hakeem specifically, <laughs> it's easy to draw some – similarities from an athletic standpoint as a D-tackle. Mm. How have those guys helped you as a younger player continue to get better?
1: Yeah, so mindset-wise, uh, both of those guys being there um, just teaching me the Penn State way of thinking, uh, how to go about things. Uh, they, they helped me a lot. Um, and Akeem, uh, every drill, every station, I'm always going to give we get my uh, best work on um, competing in speed drills, weightlifting, anything like that, I'm always competing with Akeem with
0: yeah, uh, it makes complete sense to me. Akeem Beeman is an athletic freak. That dude mm-hmm. can run um, quick, athletic. Yeah. For the people who don't know, you may not look at Zane Durant and think that he's lightning fast, but tell him you're 40 times, Zane. Go yeah, ahead.
1: I, I ran a 4.62 this past spring.
0: 4.62 at what body weight?
1: 285. That, that is
0: insane. Yeah. Freaks, man. And they, people be looking at the screen like, yeah, I could probably. <laughs> and like the D-tackle, like why did D-tackle get him? Because we got other cats running like four twos, man. Yeah. No doubt, man. That's how it breaks down. How much did yeah. your squat do? Uh, I
1: think I did five, 555 for like five um, in spring or in summer. Something
0: man, like that. Man, my squat is a smart car a couple times, man. Just <laughs> yeah. got up out of there. Something like, man. Not even.
1: Yeah, something like, something like.
0: <laughs> the weight room, now Now look at the weight room. I think this offseason was even just with Coach Losey and Coach Smith. The D-line went crazy this offseason. Yeah, yeah. You think there was a different mentality switch there? What do you think was different this offseason that led to guys like you, Denai, Chop, just making so much gains and strides in the weight room?
1: Uh, I'll say uh, for me and Denai specifically because we came in as freshmen, we mm-hmm. really didn't know what to expect coming in. But now, like, we kind of understand. So uh, when we lifted, we, we lifted with more attention and more purpose, like, to get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, as a whole, D-line, I think we just knew what we wanted. Uh, we wanted to be more dominant this year, so we all attacked the weight room. And, um some workouts hard this
0: year. And nutrition-wise, too, you added on a couple pounds since you got here. And, it, and all in good places, too. Yeah, yeah. How would you say nutrition has changed?
1: Uh, It's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. In high school, I used to eat gummies and
0: juice <laughs> and stuff like that. But, uh-huh.
1: nah, I, I eat gummies every here and but it's mostly protein, chicken, and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which recruits, hey, get your meals in while you can now. Yeah. Like, You can only get so many hometown cooked <laughs> meals, home-cooked meals. Man. Once you're at school, man, it, man, it don't so get like gone. that anymore, man. You got to get that food in while you can at home. Yeah, because now... We'll go now I was just going to say, I think no matter the quality of food, we could have steak and lobster every day at yeah. Penn State. And even so, it's like you just can't replace what your mom yeah. was in there it's cooking. It's still not the uh-huh. same. It'll never be the same. Can't Especially the if your granny cooking for you. And we have debates so cool. too, man, because like, guys swear that their food, where they're from, is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Tyler Elson. I went home with him one time and had food from his area. Not his mom's cooking. A restaurant in his area. <clears throat> No good, man. I'll be honest. Some guys gotta stop <laughs> yeah. lying about where they <laughs> sit. No what's, what's the, the name anyway, of the plate? Look at it, it's breakfast. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, go down <laughs> on the, the place. So I'm not gonna say anything bad about the business. But I would say is we went in there and the menu was inscribed into the table. So that, that menu <laughs> hasn't changed for a long time. So I'm thinking, okay, we're good. Because clearly works. They've been established for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was just looking around, weary eyed. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe we're not good. <laughs> and it's breakfast, <laughs> it's like I mean, an it, old
2: diner type type. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm oh, like, yeah. I mean,
0: you can't really mess you up breakfast. You should, you know I mean, like, nah, it's breakfast. You know what I mean? I, I don't know anyone who can, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I get some French toast and they bring it out, and I'm like. You know, it tastes like I cooked it. And that's not what oh. I'm, when I'm going out to the restaurant, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to get into. It's not what you like. More looking specifically for. for breakfast, cause I'm a big breakfast guy. Shout breakfast out to Shop. Waffle Shop North Averton, Monday, Wednesday, Ooh. Friday, Sunday. You'll see me there at 10.30 a.m. Tell them about Texas Roadhouse. Like, Texas, I mean, okay, so we talked about in the first episode, we actually shifted our days to Thursdays now, Texas Roadhouse. So obviously PJ, PJ's retired from that. He's on the bigger and better things. So me and Tyrell's gonna hold it down with a new edition of Riley Thompson, the punter. Um, Australian, Aussie. He's a big beef tip guy. He's a big, a huge advocate for the beef tip. So he goes in every Thursday and gets those. I'm a state guy. I'm a state guy. That was just a state guy. We go in every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. after our, after our practice. But right now I'm showing a little extra love to the Waffle Shop, man, because they take care of us in there. It's the best breakfast. I put you two on oh. to the one on North Aberton. No, you did. This guy is a pancake monster. I think I seen this guy slam like eight pancakes in one sitting, which yeah. I didn't, I, I was doubting him. I didn't think he was capable of doing what he did. Do not doubt. But it was somewhat it. ridiculous. Yeah, I, I will it. never doubt. Do not doubt too. I, I will never like ever go down on what he has said again. Cause he tore up eight pancakes in one sitting and ravaged swiftly too. Eight pancakes is yeah. That's, Wow. It's not that bad. That's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that That's bad. not normal at all. Real quick, I, I'm glad you brought this up because I went there last week, actually, mm-hmm. to the North Atherton waffle shop. I sit down and I get a coffee. I'm hanging out. The waitress comes out and she's like, do you play football? I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I don't play football. She was like, well... There's this kid that, you know, he's always here and we love him. His name's Nick Dawkins, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. And it was like you were the Beatles in that place. That's how much you're in there. <laughs> wow. You must be giving him a lot of bread, man. Wow. You know, I'm I'm a big guy for financial, you know, personal finance and financial literacy. I'm always preaching to the guys. Mm. One of my expenses that I write out, you know, every month, every week, there's a Waffle Shop expense. Do you and care to share how much that <laughs> expense is for so the I'll, I'll audience say it like back this. home? I'll say it like this. So, Usually when I go by myself, it's usually $17.84. And okay. yeah, you multiply that by three people at home. You have the calculators on you. I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> so we do that three times a week, sometimes four. Now me and Tyler Ellison take turns paying for each other. So usually me and him would just go. We're adding Drew Shelton. We're adding Don Ruby to the occasion now. So now we got four people going more money. Consistently, yeah. I'm not covering the whole table now. I'm not that big of a baller. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. not saying the I don't got that kind <laughs> of fun. So. You
2: got a Cuban yeah. link, though. Talk to me about that. What are you talking about? See, you were I'm supposed like, to bring the evidence. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, were I supposed was, to bring the like, evidence. You to me about it. You talked to me about it.
0: Where is it? You, you are the evidence. <laughs> no,
2: that's what <laughs> I'm saying. No, he <laughs> doesn't have
0: evidence and at he, all. So this guy doesn't have evidence at all. See, th- and this is what I'm saying. People make allegations all the time. People are trying to, you know, downplay dog. They're trying mm. to put all these false pretenses on me. I don't have to keep a link. I've never been to Cuba. So I don't have a link. I don't the, know the link. Louis V. Duffel bag. How about that? The what? The Louis V Duffelbils? Nick I Dawkins. Borrowed that from <laughs> Nick Dawkins might have the best fashion on the team when you want to. When you want to dress up, your wardrobe yeah, is extensive. Bro. I live mm-hmm. with you and you have some good finds in your closet. Let's keep it a let's keep it a stack. Yeah, do, I, don't, do. I don't know anything about Cuban links. That's how Zane Duran no. is. Are you the same way? You yeah, got, you got, I don't know what you talking it's about. It's crazy. It's just amazing how NIL has changed the landscape of things, man, because my wardrobe to this day, I was just saying off the air, I'm having a hard time doing this podcast because I'm running out of clothes I haven't worn on an episode, and I don't have NIL money. You understand what I'm saying to you? So if there are any, there are any you know, clothing departments, companies, small businesses who want to invest and help me with my hoodie collection, get me some new jeans... I'm all about it, man. Follow yeah. me on Instagram at Hawksaw. <laughs> all <laughs> all right. right, all right. This guy is already bugging, trying to get free stuff. <laughs> Let's be honest, though. You talked about, you know, you see my closet. You see, <laughs> you see, yeah. you see what I, what I, I have about it. and yep. what I got going on. Would you, on the record, say that you had taken some of my clothes before oh, and man. not returned them? I got a Scarface hoodie in my car <laughs> right now. Green It's my favorite hoodie, ironically. Okay. Um, Now, maybe, maybe I've taken some things, but at the same time, we had a program in place where I would go out and about with my friends when we had off days, Mm -hmm. and I would text Doc, hey, not trying to spend $300 on a going outfit. What you got in the closet? Which, like, where are you going out to that you need $300 for a (laughs) fit? Like, where are you at? But this is my point. But this is my point. Literally, all I had in my closet before NIL was Penn State gear. It was, that was it. If the team issued it, if they didn't issue it, I didn't have it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Now guys got Cuban links and Range Rovers. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I I see exactly what you're saying. I need him, I need the the people at home to understand that. Like this, I had these clothes before nil. Like we were, we were in the same time period. So this is not a valid excuse for what he's talking about right now. We used to do Hawk and Dog Talk on the couch. We were in the same financial standing. So I'm not trying to hear that, respectfully. But you know, it is what it is. I let him rock. I let him do what he does. Rock his graphic tees. I respect it. Do I got this from does. Walmart for 6 dollars <laughs> <$6. laughs> <laughs> understand that? Either way, let's get back to the point here. <clears throat> Zane, find a bunch of success. The defensive line is electric to watch. From the outside looking in, you guys had what, seven sacks against Northwestern? Mm. I think it was like 16 TFLs, the front seven put together. That culture, that attitude, that swagger that you guys are playing with, what does that stem from?
1: Well, it just stems from wanting to be the best in the nation. We talk about it all the time in practice. Uh, going against the offensive line, they help us uh, get better every day. So when we go against any other opponent, we feel like nobody can match us.
0: You feel like nobody can match you. The confidence that comes from having a guy like Kalen King behind you, the safety room, Johnny Dixon, who's a guy mm-hmm. that we don't talk about enough, yeah. who mm-hmm. is a legitimate, like a legit NFL corner. Crip. Do you feel like Creep, Florida jit twerking? No, nah, you, you, nah, <laughs> you can't. You can't. can't, can't Leave <laughs> My fault. Yeah, um, yeah. But – do you feel like there's an extra layer of confidence with the secondary you got behind you when you play? Yeah, definitely,
1: man. So, we, we all work off each other. So, if, say we mess up on a play, I feel like in the back end, they're going to help us get it all right with a pick or something like that.
0: Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Doc, again, we got a D lineman also. I'm going to ask you. You guys are battling, I would assume, almost mm-hmm. every day to mm-hmm. an extent. How have you seen Zane develop from year one to year two? And just what he talked about before, I mean, his run game fit is very different from how it was when he first got here. He knows he knows his leverage. Um, Zane plays with great leverage. He can get to extension in a run game, Um, in the pass game. I think his strength's always been he can get your edge. Um, He's real good at getting the hip and reading the hands um, of offensive linemen, which is underplayed. Some of that (laughs) stuff is just natural. I feel like with him, because obviously there's a skill you drill it, you work it. But I think he naturally sees the game a little slower. I think now that he's getting older, he's starting to see it slower. Would you agree too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's starting to see like you know that veteran, what veterans see, that veteran IQ, Mm -hmm. and um, I think. When he's playing good, the guys around him are playing good too because people don't understand with defensive line play, you're setting up, you do your job, you really set up a linebacker and make a play. Mm -hmm. Or you're doing your job, you're setting up a DN to make a play on a T or an ET or something Mm -hmm. like that. So I think his recognition of a defense and his recognition of just football IQ and offensive line play has just grown. Yeah, and you talk about football IQ, we talked about the playbook already and that Mm -hmm. being a big adjustment you got here. Manny Diaz, if you haven't been paying attention, it's like almost every play – there's some type of pressure coming from somewhere. It's a D lineman stunting to this gap and somebody looping here. And as an athlete, as a guy who runs a 4 6 and squats 500 pounds, how many times? Do you feel like it adds a new element to your game where you're able to jump around and put offensive linemen in situations where they got to be athletic with you?
1: Yeah, definitely. It definitely does. I feel like um, when I'm moving, certain no old lineman be able to stick with me. And if they are, then I got to use something
0: else to uh, defeat them. No doubt about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I completely agree with you. At the end of the day, man, we got to call a spade a spade. And Coach Trotwine says it all the time. We need to use angles because we're not as athletic as – I mean, we, there are some freaks out there. There's some freak offensive linemen like, why did you just raise your hand? There's some some real actual athletic freaks out there um, that, <laughs> that play offensive <laughs> line. Like Olu out there. Like Olu, he's, like a, he's different. There are yeah, some guys that are deal different deal out deal. there, right? But – Realistically, we have to use angles in order to beat guys like Zane. Like, they have natural speed. So what, how do we beat speed? We beat speed with angles. So, I mean, when you have a guy like that, though, that you need to change up your technique and change up, you know, how you set on somebody because they have that threat of speed, a vertical speed rush up front. Um, or just maybe even in the twist game, being able to loop around a tackle. Um, that just, that's a game plan for OC. That's, that's a nightmare. That's a matchup nightmare when you have guys like that. Yeah. And, and on the defensive side, when you're a guy who knows, Uh, you are like this. Another guy, O.A. was like this with his, Mm -hmm. he's a 4-3 guy as a DM, which is unheard of. Mm -hmm. You know that O-linemen have to set differently. Mm -hmm. You know they have to play you different in the run game. They got to take different angles and different steps. Do you feel like you're at the point of your game now where you're starting to realize that and you're able to take advantage of it with the way that you align or the way you get off on the ball or whatever that may look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the next step for me, Um, just trying to play with what I do, knowing that they got to change up what they do to like, um, that's my play style.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I, coaches used to say it all the time when I was playing. But playing D-line is kind of like being a pitcher. Like, you know, you got a fastball. And, like, one guy's fastball might be a bull rush. One guy's fastball might be a inside move. But you better have yeah. a changeup off of that for when an mm-hmm. offensive lineman like Doc wants to take away your best yep. part of your game. Yep. Yeah. And, Jay, would you say that's the same thing in the passing game? I'm not too well-versed on the passing game. For like you talking is this from a tight end aspect, yeah. Blocking wise, blocking routes, running routes. Yeah, bl- oh, yes. For like
2: for us, like we, based on our pat in our pass game, like we expect to do a lot. Like I talked to you guys before, um, we can change our route up mid coverage based on how the backer or safety is playing us. Looking at the corners, we go against corners different matchups too. So it's just our routes are all based off coverage and like how do we bend play. So like we convert hitches versus like we convert uh, hitch versus some type of coverage. Um, in the pass game, Black, and we expected to do the same thing that y'all do. Mm-hmm. Pass pro, like, stop the DM for getting to the quarterback because, like, was, like the pass games you probably have seen, like, we've been used a lot in the run game and also in the pass game from a protection standpoint. So it's pretty much the same, but mm-hmm. just from the. From a running route aspect, it's just based on the coverages and everything for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, you got buck the ends. Yep. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes in certain concepts, man, you got to get linebackers. You got to get deep tackles mm-hmm. depending on what. Yep. Maybe sometimes sometimes the, the pass pro breaks down. You got to help us yep. out, yep. man. This is how it goes sometimes. Yeah, so. it's definitely
2: like calls that you guys make that we have to alert out for a three-technique looping out or a four-eye looping out. Mm-hmm. So, it basically, like we expect to do everything. That's something that Coach Franklin preach all the time is mm-hmm. – like as a tight at a tight end at Penn State, you have to be able to do everything at a high level that, to actually get on the field here. So mm-hmm. it's something that as at our room we look at and um, we want the offense to run through us because we expect to do the most and we want to do it at a high
0: standard. Absolutely, yeah. And change the topic a little bit, Zane. Um, so you know, now in your years, you're you know getting older and everything. Non football related, what's one thing you've noticed over like this past year that you've gotten better at, just as a man in general? Like, what are you noticing you're growing at? Yeah, I will
1: say um just time management for me. Uh, yeah. Coming in, I felt like the days were going by so fast, I ain't know mm-hmm. really what to do. But uh, now I'm able to uh, manage things a little bit different, a little bit better, like mm-hmm. get my laundry done. Mm-hmm. Little <laughs>
0: That's, That's a little, little things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time management is crazy. That's the biggest like, thing in college, honestly. Mm-hmm. Figuring Look, this stuff out, man. Martin right. Hall, figuring this stuff out in any apartments. Like, you got to walk yeah. over here to get your laundry done. They go there, when they're gonna eat. Yeah, you are going to eat, you got to get max study hall hours. Yep. How is that for you? Study hall just in academics, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. It's going well. Uh, my study hall hours, I don't really have that much because my mm. grades are high, so I got to get a couple mm. hours in every week. And
0: then, mm. yeah, that's it. And the college curriculum?
1: Yeah, it, it's smooth.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. What are you studying?
1: HDFS, Human Development and Family Studies. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny how that study hall works, man. Am I- <laughs> My grades weren't where they needed to be freshman year. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. I got mm-hmm. addressed in my exit meeting with Coach Franklin <laughs> promptly. They were like, hey, listen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me tell you how this works, Hawk. <laughs> okay? You can't be, you can't be a C-plus football player mm-hmm. and a C-plus student. It's oh. not going to work here. <laughs> you got to be good at one of them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So my study hall hours, they didn't drop until the back half of my career. So I respect uh-huh. you to be able to do that early. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy to do. I want to ask all three of you all. We got a bye week now. And I think if you're a viewer at home and you don't know what it really entails, you can confuse a bye week with being an off week. And that's not really what it is. So can the three of you guys, I'll start with you, Zane. Can you break down a little bit of what you guys are doing this week to continue to prepare uh, for the next couple games?
1: Yeah. So uh, this bye week, um, we use it just as a time to get better, get stronger, uh, sharpen our techniques. Keep making sure we're sharp and ready for the second half of the season and just grow as players and uh, further our knowledge
0: it's interesting and maybe you could speak to this doc you know when you get done with the game on saturday you come in sunday you have film on that game that you just played Mm -hmm. you make some corrections really in a two three hour window Mm -hmm. you go out on practice and half of the practice you spend making those corrections Mm -hmm. but then in this world you got to be able to move on to the next game and move on quick which in some ways can kind of limit how much learning and adjusting you can do Mm -hmm. so offensively doc With an extensive playbook that you guys have, having some extra time to get in that playbook, does it help you guys? Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, we have extra time for UMass now to prepare for UMass. Mm -hmm. Um, but like Zane was saying, we have a time to sharpen up on our skills. And I think that's a big component to the bye week that, you know, we don't really talk about as a, like, um, just as a fan base or as a team really is this is a time where we self scout each other. Mm -hmm. Where you go back, you watch the last couple games we played and, you know, what am I doing well at? What am I, what can I improve upon? Um, what's an area that needs more improvement? Um, and I think as an offensive line in particular, that's one thing we're doing. We're looking at the old games, like other games, and like you know, maybe what's what's going on with our run game fits yeah. here. What's going on with our footwork? What's a, what's a kind of tendency that maybe another team's picking up on that we can eliminate and make uh, an area that of strength for us instead of yeah. an area for improvement. I wish there was a way that we could calculate the number of hours spent on film in that Penn State football program. I mean, yeah. there are times we would leave Lash for practice. Practice would end eight, nine o'clock, whatever it may be. We get out of there. You come back out from the study hall at ten or eleven, whenever you get done, mm-hmm. and you see like GA's cars still parked outside or position coaches still sitting there watching film. The amount of time spent, if you're at this level, that's another thing. If you're a recruit watching. This is nothing like high school football in that sense. No, like the way you prepare, the amount of meeting time, the amount of film that you got to watch, if you actually want to accomplish the things that you say you want to, yeah. it's a different level. Mm-hmm. Jerry, do you feel like coming in you know, as a young guy playing limited football, that the film aspect was a another factor that you didn't really understand coming into it? Yeah, but I didn't even know what the ID was when I first got
2: here. So it was a huge adjustment for me. Um especially on the offensive end, like our, like our playbook. We have a very broad playbook. So just me having to learn all that as a tight end because we expected to know everything. So for me, it was a little adjustment. I wouldn't say it took me that long to kind of get adjusted to it because I'm kind of a fast learner. So I'd say probably by the time that my that my first spring ball was over, I was kind of like had a good grasp on the playbook and also how the things flew uh, were flowing on the field as far as, you know, just reading defenses, reading defenses and um, how they play. Um something that I'm still trying to get better on is just actually learning how to watch film the right way, breaking mm-hmm. down, like, who I'm going against or just coverages and being able to, like, dissect that on def- three defenses and just keep more on their best players and how they move and things that they do.
0: So that's something that I'm still trying to, you right. know, continue to grow in. And it's not easy to do. I, it's There's such a big difference between watching a football game just casually mm-hmm. and then watching film. And I think more so than even people really realize – football and really understanding what's going on in that field is like speaking Chinese if you don't know how to watch film and you don't mm-hmm. know what to look for there's yeah. so many little tendencies and mm-hmm. different alignments and formations and situational all these different factors you got to account for and understand mm-hmm. that really if you're just watching casually you can't catch up on mm-hmm. no that's a big challenge in and, and recruits I challenge y'all to do that and start when you're watching film watch film like a pro You'd be surprised the little things that guys do in games <clears> that give away a whole scheme or that give away a whole play. Like, it's great. Like, you, like, oh, that guy's foot is back a little, like, two inches yeah. more. They're running power. Yep. Boom, they ran power. And you pick up on these tendencies and these patterns, and it becomes like you look at the greats, like Aaron Rodgers, you look at the greats like Tom Brady. They know, like, I think there was – I, I always see this kid that comes back around on Twitter. It's Cam Newton. And the guy saying, okay, watch this. is the play because he already knew what the linebacker was doing based off his alignment. Yep. It's crazy the little things you can pick up on just from watching a little film and noticing things that guys do that give away a whole play. Yeah, and just
2: like um, Coach Franklin say, like he say, don't watch the game as a fan. Watch it
0: as an actual four-hour player. And just not watch it, just to watch it. So that's something I'm trying to do as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny. You guys will see this one day. Hopefully you guys all play 15 years in the NFL, and this mm-hmm. day is long down the line. But – When I watch games now, even to this day, I'm not in meetings. It's been two years since I've done any of that. Mm -hmm. I watch a game, and the way I watch it is still like I'm sitting in film. Mm -hmm. Like nothing you can't you can't casually watch football after that because you know what to look for. You're paying attention to it. Like you know, I would assume as a as a casual fan, like your eyes are kind of. You know, they're following the quarterback or where the ball is going. When I'm watching the game, I'm watching centers and guards and three techniques. And, oh, that's why the tight end is a little bit closer inside. Here comes flip flow. Like, I don't know. It's just it's, it's once you learn it, you don't unsee it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Another thing I want to ask you about, Zane, um, you know, Chuck Losey, we kind of glossed over it. You put on significant weight in the offseason. You've gotten significantly stronger. I, th- I saw you again for the first time this summer after not seeing you for a few months, and it was noticeable how much lean mass you put on. What's that relationship with coach Losi been like? Because I know he's a guy that you know I love, a guy that a lot of players love and they go hard for, man. and mm-hmm. how has he been able to draw that out of you uh, and guide you throughout this process?
1: Yeah, exactly what you said um is I got so much respect and love for him. that's kind of why I made this transition. I just trust him with everything I do. Uh, me and him joke a lot. We like to compete. He'll say stuff that get me going, but like you slow or you weak. Mm-hmm. And I like to prove people wrong so he, he know how to get me going for sure.
0: Talk to me, and I ask a lot of people that we have on the show about this, but college football, being a student athlete is way too hard to just go accomplish without having a legitimate, established why. mm mm-hmm. When you th- when you sit back and you think about why you put yourself through these challenges and you push yourself, and you want to go accomplish and then hopefully go play in the NFL one day. and Why do you do all this? Oh, I re-
1: I really do this for my um last name, my family. I want to represent my family well, and I do it also for the brothers in the locker room. I know they go hard every day, so I can't I can't be the one to make a team lose or do a dumb mistake that that would cost us. So I, I don't want to be that person.
0: Doc, I'll ask you because you've been there. You know, you were there in twenty twenty one. Um, you were there for the COVID year. Yeah, I was. So you've yeah. seen, you know, the lows of Penn State football, mm-hmm. and you've seen the flip side of it with Rose Bowl victories and a, a, a hot start, no losses. What is the difference when you talk about brotherhood in the locker room that you've seen? Yeah, I I just know that, you know, and I have respect for the guys that, you know, laid this foundation down for no us doubt. way before. And I'm not even just talking about since I've been here. Yep. I'm talking about since forever, since we we're wearing black and pink. Um. I think just the understanding of what we do collectively, like we, man, the stuff that we put that, that the coaches put us through and that we put ourselves through and just the grind and the work that we put in together, we have to be bonded. Like we have to be bonded at like we're, we're so, I don't know how, I think we kind of do the same, but we're all soldiers out there. Yeah. And it's war. Every day on the field is war. Practice, games, it could be the weight room, it's war out there. Yeah. And we go through all these tough trials and tribulations together. We witness our, each other's lows. We witness each other's, like, you know, you had a bad day and you still had to come in and put in the work. We witness all that together. And you just grow respect for guys. And I think that this offseason, this work that we put in, everyone just gained respect for each other because we didn't have guys tapping out of workouts. We had guys getting through. We had guys competing. We had guys exhibiting all the core values. And when you really respect the guy next to you, you have love for that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think <clears throat> just the work. And I can tell the work is just different than we put in this year, man. Like, we, everyone talks about it on the team. I think the fans are starting to feel it a little bit. But this season is just different. different. And this team is just different. And when we, now that we all kind of collectively understand that, and we all collectively understand our potential I think we're trying to get to that point. We're trying to reach that potential because what good is potential if you don't do anything with it? And we understand that there's a mission and a standard that we set for this year and for this team. And um, we have a bunch of winners on our team, man. Just in general, failure is not an option. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, we, I was a part of teams that, that had potential and honestly did some good things. I was a Cotton Bowl team, 11-2, and two, had a good season. Um, but we felt like that unit, I'll speak collectively, we felt like we had enough talent to go compete for a Big Ten championship mm-hmm. and to go win a national championship. And not that the Cotton Bowl is bad, but we didn't live up to the potential like we talked about. So, Zane, I'm going to ask you, what does it take on a day-by-day basis to keep pushing to actually go realize that potential?
1: Uh, I, I'll just say over time, uh, when you're hanging out with your brothers, you, you constantly remind each other why, why we're doing this, and then that kind of gives you an idea like what we need to do and what what we need to do to take the next step, so – like, as a D-line, for example, every day we come in, we just look at each other like, man, you want a heck of a player, you know what I'm saying? Then you understand that. And then we look around the room, like we got a lot of guys in this room, so it, it'll be a shame for us to waste his talent. Mm-hmm. So we go hard every day to try to maximize that.
0: Coach Franklin said something that I thought was actually really good in his press conference where he said, you know, they asked about Northwestern and having less fans and oh, just <clears> playing <throat> in the White House, so it's not going to be as exciting for the players. To be a group that's internally motivated and not externally motivated and to rely on your teammates and your brothers and your coaches to give you that juice. Mm. All the while, keeping in mind the ultimate goal that allows you to be internally motivated is a special thing. I think that's what the great teams do. Yeah. No, I completely agree, man. And with with that start we had in Northwestern, you know, people say it was a slow start and all that. I mean, there's factors that go into it. Like, it's actually an 11 a.m. kickoff, not a 12 p.m. kickoff because of the timing and all that stuff. But I think the beauty of that win was we found a way to win and found a way to win dominantly in the second half. Because you have to find different ways to win, especially um, in the Big Ten. What's more gritty than a Penn State Northwestern 12 p.m. kickoff, gritty trench warfare game? That's Big Ten football. 10-10 ten, ten at halftime, that's Big Ten football. That's what's different than, like, other – like, we're not – the Big Ten isn't one of those, like, high-running gun running gun, you know, 50, 52 versus 49 yeah. game. You play gritty games <laughs> like that. Yeah. And you have to. And for us as a team, like, what we're trying to get to, you have to play and experience games like that where you don't get what you want at the beginning. You don't just get to blow guys out, like, blow teams out at the beginning. Like, you need to experience how can you overcome, like, adaptations as an offense. Maybe this happens with defense. Defense will start hard. How is the offense going to back them up? You need to have those experiences if you really want to be a championship team. We need to learn how to win. And and Coach Franklin said – what did he say? Coach Franklin said after the Illinois game, he said, you don't need to lose in order to learn how to win. For you sure. need to learn how to not lose in order to win sometimes. Yep. So it, it goes yeah. hand in hand. And then to go win in a variety of different ways. Sometimes it's the offense being hot. Maybe it's Nick Singleton and Catron Allen being on. The defense. Mm-hmm. There are so many different ways when I look at your guys' roster – that you can go win a football game. And I think for the fan, you know, it's not to play devil's advocate here, but their thinking is there's so much damn talent on this roster, like it should always be an easy dub. And like you said, the Big Ten isn't like that. It's not like that. You got to – and we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Just because the name on the jersey – you know, um, you you look at them, you think, oh, it's Northwestern. They're supposed to, they're gonna smoke them. They're gonna mm-hmm. kill them. Northwestern just had a twenty-one point comeback victory a week ago. Yeah, they done fought through the adversity of losing their coach. They are probably tightening it as a team. They know how they're battle tested. Is them versus the world? They weren't gonna just let y'all oh, you walk know. into the stadium and just <laughs> yeah. do what you know. Uh-huh. Um, and like you said, you find a way to to go have a dominant second half and you make adjustments offensively, defensively, to continue that dominance and find a way to win, to me is an indicator of a great team and a team that knows how to make the adjustments necessary and battle through some adversity. And we're looking at, you know, us as a team, we're, we're trying to separate ourselves from other teams. Like, what what makes us different? Mm-hmm. And Zane, as a player, what makes you different? What do you think separates you from other guys that makes you successful on the field?
1: I'll say my mindset, just to start off, uh... Everything everything I go about, I feel like I'm the best at what I do. So, mm-hmm. until I'm proven otherwise, I don't believe nobody's better than me. Mm-hmm. You got to show me consistently that you're better than me. You might beat me one play, but the next play, I'm going to get you right back. You know what I'm saying? So, I think my mindset helps me. And then, obviously, my physical asset, uh, me being a 6'1 D tackle that's explosive and quick and twitchy, uh, helps me also. On the
0: what do you think that mindset came from when you were growing up?
1: Uh, yeah, I just always had that tip of my shoulder. You know, playing in Florida, there's a lot of talent down there. Mm-hmm. And everybody think they the man. So, to come up out of that. You have to
0: have play with a little chip on your shoulder. And feel like you're the best at what you do. And Jay, what would you say? Your, you would you say your mindset is also this different? What do you think makes you different? For me, I just try to use my size and
2: also my mindset too. Especially in the pass game, like I fly, I can't be stopped in the red zone. That's just something that I, I, that's just me personally. I, I mm. have been like that my whole career. Something that I want to do is just get more dominant in the run game. I want to be a fierce tight end in the run game. I want people to respect me. So that's just something that I'm just trying to get better on and keep growing at. I just is like a mindset thing. Just you know, just having that mindset that mm-hmm. I want to punish you and I will punish you. So that's something I'm just trying to continue to build mm-hmm. on.
0: Notice the recurrent theme that everyone is saying mindset. That their mindset is they want to destroy the guy in front of them. That's the so biggest thing in football. When we're in there in the trenches, that's everyone's mindset. Yeah. So there's no such thing as not giving it your all every play. Oh, this guy took a playoff. This guy didn't take no playoff, nah, man. You can't take a playoff. You can't do it. Man, you man, get years. somebody hurt. That's the difference with football. I think sometimes is. Another sport, you mess around, you're not going full speed, what happens? Another team scores a point on you or something happens. Man, I'm I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do on a certain play. I'm taking a play off. Someone's hurt. I'm yeah. someone's getting hurt on the field. Someone's someone's leaving the field on a stretcher or something like that. And I think that's what makes that's what brings us so close. Like this team we talked about is we understand what can happen in this game mm-hmm. is you need to be your brother's keeper. You need to know what you're doing next to you because someone could really get hurt. And that's the risk we take playing this game. But the the reward is so high, man. It is. And there's, there's a lot of risk to it. But I'm mm-hmm. telling you, man, there's nothing. There's zero like putting your helmet on, tighten that thing up and being in that locker room about to come out and looking around. You got eighty five, a hundred dudes with you who you know are battle-tested. They were up with you at 4.15 in February mm-hmm. when everybody was asleep and nobody was thinking about football, and you know who you got with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the confidence that comes with that and knowing that you got a bunch of guys around you who are willing to take it there on account of you mm-hmm. is special, man. It's not like that everywhere. No. It's not like that. What would you say your differentiating factor is? Man, I would just say mine is probably um, being reliable. I think. Um, I think... My guys on the O line would attest to it that, and I've been I think y'all would too, that if y'all plug me in any position that I'm at, I'm gonna give you 100 percent of what I what I have. I'm gonna know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing from a playbook standpoint. But at the end of the day, I'm not playing for myself, I'm playing for others. Um, I'm playing for my family at home to make sure they're taken care of. I'm playing to set them up. Future, I'm setting the, I'm I'm playing to take care of the guy to the left and right of me, make sure they get their goals, make sure they're protected. Uh, And I'm playing for the guys behind me, man. I want to make sure my running back, my quarterback are well protected. So I think, um, I guess the 2 part of that is I want to be reliable. I'm a reliable guy when you plug me in. But most importantly, um, I think sacrifice for me because I know that um, when I play, I'm not just playing for myself and for my last name. I'm playing for everybody in the program and all their hopes and dreams. Yeah. The the higher you climb, football specifically, the shorter, the smaller of a gap you get from a – pure physical talent perspective there's not a big difference between the ones and even the threes. sometimes just from a raw talent perspective mm-hmm. the differentiator for most guys Experience. is consistency it's reliability mm-hmm. is who's going to show up every play we know what we're going to get out of this guy and for the young recruit who watch this show that is a way that you can guarantee yourself at least some semblance of success yeah. and if you're a guy who says you want to go play in the NFL you want to go accomplish these things being consistent and being reliable on that level, almost guarantees you at least a look and opportunity if that baseline talent level is there. Put it in perspective for him, 53-man roster in the NFL. That's not a lot of guys. Look at your high school team right now. How many guys are on the sideline your high school team? How many guys are probably not getting in? So what is your role that you're going to get in the game? Yep. Most guys, it's special teams. Yep. And let's talk about that. Yeah. Because young, young players don't – it's a trend. It's a terrible trend where young players don't want to take special teams seriously. They don't mm-hmm. want to go on there. They don't want to play hard. Then they get <clears> to college. And they don't know how to do it. And then they're too lazy to go figure out how to play special teams consistently. An example I'll give you, Jonathan Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Is, and he, was a, he was a good linebacker, but he was a great special teamer. J- Dan, T- Dan Chesanna, were you here with him? No, nah, I wasn't. So Dan no Chesanna, 2019, was a wide receiver, really didn't play much as a receiver. But he was one of the most electric gunners I had ever seen. And Dan's played like three years in the NFL as a gunner because Mm -hmm. he took the time and decided that he was going to go give his best effort on specials. Mm -hmm. That's how we get our shot, man. That's how I got on the field because I I knew I wanted to be on the field somehow, some way. And realistically, I wasn't ready to be on the offensive side of the ball yet. I really wasn't. They put me in the game. I wasn't ready. But I could do field goal and I could do punt. And that's still what I do well. And I tried to excel in that role because I understand that. Later on, the, whatever my role is going to be, if it's in the NFL or if it's just on the, on this team, like that's where I can help the team out because I know that's what I, I can, I know that my role, I know what I'm supposed to do and I know I can make the guys around me better. Yeah. I think you two as well coming in, like when you're not, maybe you're not seeing where you like yourself on the depth chart, then we're in that swap meeting and you're seeing, okay, now I have a chance to play on this SWAT. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. It keeps guys locked in. Definitely. And it comes down to the theme of, Control are controllable. Mm -hmm. Your attitude, your effort, your willingness to learn a new spot on special teams and to compete, those are all things that are controllable. And it's just like like the core values. All of those things are controllable. There's going to be things in different situations that come with playing a physical game, a violent game, whether it's injuries or talent in front of you that may prohibit you from quick success. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen, and almost all the guys I know that play in the NFL and play at a high level in the NFL have one. Similar characteristic amongst all of them is that they know how to control the controllable. They show up, they work, they, they're they stretching before practice, they're in their film all, religiously. All of those things have allowed them to find the success that they have. Yeah. Do you have a guy, an old guy, and I'm not asking this as a joke, and I don't want you to give me as an answer, but an old guy that you looked to when you first got to school on the defensive line or even on the defensive side of the football that you shaped the way you prepare and you molded that based off of what you saw them doing?
1: Uh, Not really. One guy that I did used to look up to was PJ. Um, He was a huge leader for us on in the, in the insides, D-Tackles. So I kind of looked up to PJ and Keem. Those two for me were like, um kind of helped me be, become the player that I am today.
0: Yeah, PJ is a guy, man. We, we joke about PJ on the show and me mm-hmm. and Doc live with him. PJ will be the best man at my wedding. But that dude, you know, I was in his class as a D-Tackle. Damn. Doc, Doc. <laughs> um, I had to break that news to Doc eventually, man. But anyway, P.J., you know, I was in his class as a D tackle. It was me, him, and Judge Culpepper. So we were competing every day when we were young guys, especially trying to get on the field, figure those things out. One thing you can not say about P.J. Mustafer is that he did not control everything he could. Mm-hmm. He was always, from a young guy, we conditioned as a D line, P.J. Mustapher was in the front. He was being a leader. He was being vocal. His grades were good. He was on time to places. And that was a factor that allowed him not only to be successful on the field, but it led to him being a a two- or three-year captain. I don't Mm -hmm. remember which one it was, but he was a guy that had respect Mm -hmm. from a young age because people knew what they were getting from Pete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last question for you. Actually, before I ask that, is there anything you feel like we should be talking about, asking you about right now that we haven't? Jerry? is there anything we should be asking this man? Either one of you.
2: What was, your, what was your like your Walkman moment in college? Ah, uh, welcome to college spring, your Like, moment. like, what,
0: like,
2: like, what was your craziest, like, most awkward moment in college? Like, you know, just something that you that caught you off guard. The yeah. Walkman moment.
1: Yeah, my uh, Walkman moment was uh, my my spring, my first spring practice. We had on Shell, spiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we was going to half line Skelly. I, I did a spin move, I think, on Sound. Golden was at center. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Golden yeah, was, oh, yeah, <laughs> You yeah. spun into the. Uh, yep. and, and yeah, you know what I'm saying? I ended not, up on my backside. Okay. But you
0: know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was what it was. Half-Line Skelly, man, that was my welcome to moment. Welcome yeah. to College Four moment, too. I hit an inside move on Connor McGovern, who I think is the starting right guard for the Buffalo Bills now. <laughs> And I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in there willy nilly. I thought he was just a fat kid. Yeah. Punched me in my chest so hard, dog. Landed <laughs> on my rear end, and, like, scooted <laughs> twice. Yeah. Man. It was literally my first rep ever oh. in Penn State football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought it couldn't get any worse, and I was wrong. I was wrong. Are man. you wrong? Yeah. It's all right, though. What, what was your worst moment in college football, do you think? The singular worst? Yeah, the singular worst. Okay, I'll, I'll worst tell the story. Okay. Football. So, Lions Pride is basically board drill for the people back home. It's different from Lions Den. Lions Den, there's Mm -hmm. multiple people in there. It's like Oklahoma drill. Lions Pride is one-on-one. It's a shoving match, okay? Winner take all. I had lost a bunch of weight my freshman year. I was coming down and then coming back up trying to build up. Mm -hmm. So I'm like 255, so I'm getting matched up with tight ends. We had a kid here named Zach Koontz, who ended up having a good college career and now is competing to make an NFL team, ended up being a good player. But he wasn't like super-duper respected as a physical player when we got here. We get the Lions pride, dog. Zach beat me, like, probably 11 times in a row. Like, I'm losing to a tight end. I'm a D tackle. It got so bad, Coach Franklin looked at me and asked. He was like, you want me to match you up with a wide receiver? What do you want me to do for you? (laughs) Like, I can't help you any more than this. Like, you got to figure it out. I go up. I meet with the D-line coach. I meet with our GA. They're like, yo, we're going to fix your stance. Don't trip. Fix it. Say this is how I want you to line up. Change your feet this way. So I change my feet. I'm in there confident. Hmm. When I tell you, this man, we both get off on the ball. Dog took me out of the circle, man. Like, I didn't go down, but I got taken out of the circle, bro. And I remember, like, you ever get beat so bad that you're not even, like, you're not yelling and pissed? Like, I just, like, unhooked my helmet a little bit. I don't even talk to me. The the I'm like, man. And we. I just kind of jogged the individual drill. Nobody would look at me. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's probably not a good deal right there. That's life, though, you know? How you going to respond? So what now, what does I say? Mm-hmm. And how did you respond? I medically retired. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we moved on to the business side. Man. Appreciate you guys tuning into the Lions Dan, Zane, appreciate you joining us as always. Stay tuned for future episodes. We'll keep bringing on the best talent Penn State football has to offer with State Media to bring you the best Penn State coverage that is out there. Be sure to check out our merch, man. Link in the bio, or link in the description below, rather. Uh, get a hoodie, man. Nick Dawkins, mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time holding him off. He's going to choke slam somebody I'm not eventually. i playing around anymore. I'll come and find you. And we read the comments. We appreciate your feedback. Yes. But keep... cop the merch. Cop the merch. I don't want to come and find you. Don't want dog to have to come find you. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week.